Hello, and welcome to Easy Easy Bake Bake Takes, Takes, the podcast where we read you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. And today, we are going to be doing 10 Things I Hate About You. Woo! This was my first time seeing this movie. It was on a whim, too. It was on a whim, but I'll go ahead and get into, like, the facts. Give us the straight facts. You know this podcast. Facts. No opinions. <laughs> exactly. Just facts. We'll get into opinions in a minute. Yes. This movie was made in 1999. Very PG-13. An hour 37 minute plot. Cameron James, the new kid at Pado High School, is given a tour of the school by Michael Ekman, who is an audiovisual geek <laughs> and former leader of a clique of future MBAs. Michael provides Cameron with information on the school's various cliques. During the tour, Cameron spots a beautiful and popular Bianca Stratford and is immediately men with her. Michael warns that Bianca is shallow, conceited, and worst of all, not allowed to date. Michael does, however, inform Cameron that Bianca is looking for a French tutor. At the Stratford residence, Bianca's outcast older sister, Kat, receives a letter of acceptance to Sarah Lawrence College. Her protective father, Walter, is distraught by the news, and he wants Kat to attend college nearby. Kat distracts her father by revealing that Bianca was given a ride home from school by Joey Donner. Bianca begs her father to allow her to date, but to no avail. Kat's aversion to dating prompts the father to come up with a new rule. Bianca can only date if Kat is dating. Cameron starts tutoring Bianca, and she informs him of her father's rule after Cameron makes many failed attempts to ask her out. This news motivates Cameron and Michael to set out to find a boy who is willing to date Kat. Cameron suggests Patrick Verona, an outcast who is just as ill-tempered as Kat. Cameron tries asking Patrick for his assistance, but Patrick scares him off. Michael then poses the idea to Joey, also attempting to date Bianca, pay Patrick to take Kat out. Patrick agrees, but Kat, however, wants nothing to do with Patrick. Cameron and Michael finally explain their situation to Patrick and inform him that Bogey Lowenstein is throwing a party. This is actually a plot by Michael to get revenge, as rumor from Bogey had got him kicked out of their clique. Cameron and Michael spread rumors around school that Bogey's party will have free beer and dancing, although it is actually a small private gathering. At the party, Kat tells Joey to stay away from her sister. Joey brags that he cannot guarantee she'll stay away from him. Kat gets upset and begins drinking, leading her to dance drunk on the table. Meanwhile, Cameron discovers that Bianca was using him to find a date for Kat so that Bianca could date Joey. Cameron decides to stop trying to date Bianca, but Patrick convinces him to go for it. Bianca asks Cameron for a ride home after discovering Joey's true character. Cameron drops her off and tells her that he really likes her and was very disappointed in her. At that point, Bianca kisses Cameron. Patrick brings Kat home and she drunkly tries kissing Patrick. He suggests they should do that some other time, hurting Kat's feelings. The next day at school, Patrick publicly sings Can't Take My Eyes Off of You to Kat in front of everyone asking her forgiveness, landing him in detention. Kat gets him out of detention by flashing the soccer coach. Kat and Patrick spend the day together and they both realize that they truly do like each other. Patrick, motivated by Joey's bribe of $300, asks Kat to the prom. However, she is suspicious of his motives and they get into a fight. Bianca tries to convince her father to let her go to the prom, but he refuses since Kat isn't going. Bianca confronts Kat, Kat then reveals that she dated Joey and they had sex, mostly because everyone else was doing it. However, when Kat told Joey that she wasn't ready for sex and did not want to do it again, he immediately broke up with her. Even though she forbade Joey to tell anyone of their one time together or else she would tell all the cheerleaders how tiny he is, (laughs) Kat still felt immense rejection, thus spurring her to not do anything ever again just because everyone else was doing it and distanced herself from her peers. Bianca and Kat end up going to the prom with Cameron and Patrick. Joey's fears to learn that Bianca has gone to prom with Cameron and confronts Patrick about the arrangement in front of Kat. 
Cat blows up at Patrick and leaves. Joey subsequently confronts Cameron about manipulating the deal for himself, but after he punches Cameron, Bianca hits Joey three times herself, leaving him curled up in pain on the floor with a broken nose and a black eye. As she should. The next morning, Bianca thanks Cat for going to prom and the sisters make up. Cat's father allows her to go to Sarah Lawrence. At school, Cat reads a poem in front of everyone, by the way. Aww. It's so cringy. It is. Cat reads a poem, which she wrote for English class titled 10 Things I Hate About You, written about Patrick. While reading the poem, she reveals in front of the entire class how hurt she was by what Patrick did and how much she really cares about him. But mostly, I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close, not even a little bit, not even at all. Patrick is shown to be touched by her <laughs> revelation in the park. Mostly, I hate the way. Then I don't even hate you. She wasn't even technically supposed to cry in that scene. Not even a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. No, I get it. Patrick is shown to be touched by her revelation. In the parking lot, Kat finds a guitar Patrick bought her with the money Joey paid him, and he admits that he messed up their deal by falling for her. Kat forgives Patrick the two kiss and makeup. That is how that movie is. He just buys her a guitar, and they make up. I mean, it, first of all, first of all, it's Heath Ledger. Second of all, that is a nice guitar, and I would accept that. Apo- I would accept. I would accept that apology. I would be like, okay, you could buy me a guitar anytime. I, you know, like, it's true. It's true. Yeah. I understand. So the director of this movie is Gil Junger, and the writers are Karen McCoola, Kirsten Smith, and William Shakespeare, who wrote the play The Taming of the Shrew. How insane. Jane Austen last week. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I guess it's a trend with teen movies. Oh, yeah. And then we have the cast, Heath Ledger, Julia Stiles, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, David Krumholtz, Andrew Keegan, Susan May Pratt, Gabrielle Union, Larry Miller, Daryl Mitchell, Allison Janney. I love Allison Janney so much. Love her. And then David Lee replaced Mr. Chapman. We love Allison Janney here. I love Allison Janney. So we then have a tagline, and I didn't like the Clueless tagline. I like this tagline a lot more. This one's better. It's more poetic, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. There are so many different ways to hate. Count them yourself. I love that. I feel like perfect for this. It is. The Clueless one made it seem like a completely different movie. An intern wrote the tagline. I don't know who wrote that. But... Some exec was like, this is probably what it's about. Yeah. And we got some trivia. The scene in which Cat reads the 10 Things poem was the first and only take. According to the DVD extras, Cat's tears towards the end of the poem were real and not planned. And most of all, <laughs> no offense to Julia Stiles, it's just a cringy scene. It, yeah. <laughs> the entire film was shot using real locations. No sets were used. Oh my god, that's beautiful. And you could tell. It looks really good. And it's a gorgeous school. That was a nice fucking school. And I think I read a fact. It was something at first and there was a fire. So of course they made it to a high school. I think that, it, I don't know if that's in here or not, but I remember reading that. Yeah. I just love that. There has to be like some kind of disaster and they have to go could be a high school the kids could learn in that kids could learn in that we should put children here you know what's insane there's a high school in waco that got turned into apartment complex oh like the building they didn't tear down the high people live in the in the school it's the school building like there's still chalkboards in the in the apartments and stuff it looks really cool oh heath ledger improvised the moment where patrick starts playing with the fire (laughs) okay (laughs) okay (laughs) this was heath ledger's first american movie is he actually Australian? Yeah. 
Yeah, he is. I didn't know that. His his whole family still lived there, and he moved to the U.S., I'm pretty sure. Okay. I didn't know he was Australian. I thought, I thought he was English. And for whatever reason, I didn't hear his Australian accent until a little bit later in the movie. So all of a sudden, I hear this Australian accent. I'm like, his accent's slipping. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to go, no, he's actually Australian in the movie, too. I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Alice and Janie's character like makes a joke about it whenever he comes into her office at the beginning. I did get the joke. I did ask. I was like, okay. <laughs> She's just being her, you know? She's being her. She's so quirky. I love her. I know. I did ask any questions, so I got a little confused, but yeah. back on track. Yes. This one's a really sweet fact. David Krumholtz wrote a piece for Vulture explaining why he thought the movie worked so well. He stated the entire cast became fast friends. Joseph Gordon-Lovett turned me onto fish. <laughs> so dated. <laughs> and I turned him on to the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> the actor wrote, Gabriel Yoon had us in stitches. Julia Stiles brought her own brand of Soho-bred artistic intellectualism at only 17, mind you. Larissa Olenek's laughter filled the room, and we marveled at the toneness of Andrew Keegan's muscles, a great sport. Film began without Heath Ledger, and the cast worried how his presence would change the dynamic. This was a concern that was remedied a few days later when he arrived and we found yet another comrade in sensibility. The group with Heath only got stronger. Before I knew it, the cast was experiencing what I've since found to be all too rare, a unified chemistry throughout the ensemble. Without a single bad apple in the bunch, we all agreed that we were having the best summer of our lives. This is so freaking sweet. But I hope they still like yeah keep in contact you know yeah julia styles originally auditioned for the role of bianca stratford and according to screenwriter kirsten smith marisa olnick really wanted to play cat olnick got the role of bianca while styles got the role cat bianca's older sister despite cat being two years older than bianca styles is only three months older than olnick in real life that always fucking happens yeah that happened with hannah montana like miley cyrus tried out to be lily that happened on clueless too i think Brittany murphy tried out to be Cher, and Cher tried out to be ty yeah i love that the casting directors are able to be like but you guys would work so much better the other way around mm -hmm. you gotta go in asking for the opposite of what you want i guess yeah. yeah last little fun fact cameron says i burn i pine i perish a direct quote from the taming of the shrew i've never seen the taming of the shrew though or read it oh no i i don't know anything about it yeah let's move on to thoughts and opinions as the person that I am now, it's not surprising that I looked up to her. I looked up to Kat. I aspired to be her. Same name. <laughs> same name. Same spelling. Same spelling. But watching it this time, most of the time I'm like, okay, like I can imagine being this teenager and being annoying. A lot of these characters annoyed me. <laughs> yes. Yes. They were all very irritating at certain points. Cat especially. Cat especially. But also there's this like weird mix of like everybody's overreacting a little bit to like how mean she is. Yeah. She's not like the town villain. You know, they're acting like she's the worst person in the school. Well, a lot of people are coming up to her to to mess with her too. Yeah. It's it, y'all aren't helping. She is a little mean. She's mean. But like if she's that mean, don't mess with her. Don't fuck with her. <laughs> yeah. But like her tearing down the prom poster. Mm-hmm. I always hate this trope in teen movies where someone's like, I can't believe you're going to prom. Like, what? Like we're boycotting the prom. We're not going to prom. Like, I hate that. Just don't go. It's pick me energy. It's very, I'm different. I'm not like other girls, girl. That's literally what she is. It's very, like, obnoxiously. Very obnoxious. I do love that in the beginning, the teacher checks all, all of them. All of them. Immediately. I loved the first 10 minutes of this movie. They don't give her a chance to be like, boo-hoo. 
about it. He's literally like, you are an upper middle class white teenager in a nice area. What struggle? What are you complaining about? And then the fucking white Rasta children. Oh, God. And he was like, I don't even (laughs) want to talk about you right now. Also, she didn't seem that disruptive to where she should be getting kicked out of class every day. Joey should have been getting kicked out of class. That's the part that I got a little upset about, too, because, like, I mean, she's the main character of me. I understand why they did it for the movie's sake, but, like, yeah, she wasn't disruptive enough to be kicked out of class. Joey was. Yeah. And she's in the principal's office for, like, two seconds. I don't understand. But the second time she gets kicked out, it's because she's trying to learn. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. He just kicks her out for no reason. I think he probably thought she was being sarcastic. Yeah. It was just, like... A little heavy-handed of like, cat's the bad kid. Yeah. They did the the high school movie thing, going through the clicks. I enjoyed the cowboys. I hadn't seen that in a minute. And I love how they don't say anything, but they're just always in the background. Yeah. Never seen a cow in their lives. (laughs) No, they they live (laughs) in Washington. Those kids kids are not cowboys. Really into like this, like yeehaw lifestyle. And I'm like, what? Why? 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 No. (laughs) What possessed you to be so into that? Yeah. Yeah. The characters were annoying. Cameron definitely felt like a... Incel. Well, that whole car scene, he's yelling at her, I did all these nice things for you that... One, she didn't know what was happening. Two, she didn't ask for. And he's like, I'm really disappointed in you. Like, Ugh. he's acting like a nice guy in the car. I did all these nice things for you. And you you didn't appreciate any. And she kisses him. That shit was so obnoxious. I hated that scene. I don't think I've seen a more obnoxious scene. Mm-hmm. Ugh. It was just like uncomfortable and she still kisses him. So it's like, is the movie trying to tell me that nice guys? I should yell at a girl to like me. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it felt like those guys that are like, girls never want a nice guy. Yes. Like they're just all date jerks. It's like, no, you're creepy. First of all. Yeah. You're doing all this shit to get this girl to date you. You admit that you are only being nice so she will date you. Yeah. Because you're screaming how selfish she is in a car. And then she kissed. I hated that scene so, so so much joey as a character at the end like anytime he's on screen i'm just like okay maybe the rest of them aren't that bad maybe they're not like i feel like that's the only reason his character is in here to offset how fucking annoying everybody else is yeah because yeah and then it goes to the fucking 10 things i hate about you poem and it's so fucking cringy so cringy a lot of this movie is cringy a little bit and this movie's so dated too it is yeah, it's 1999 in Seattle. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, I will say something Kat and I have in common. You get us liquored up, I too would be dancing on a table. <laughs> yeah. Did I mention she was in the trivia that she made up her own dance moves? No, you didn't say that. Oh, I thought I included that. She made up her own dance moves in that scene and it got her the role. In Honey? I forgot what the name of the movie was, but it got her a role in some dancing movie. So I know which one you're talking about. I think it might have been Honey. Yeah, I thought I included that trivia that makes sense she wasn't it wasn't bad yeah the dad i don't i hated him yeah he wasn't likable he wasn't like a, a likable dad no he was the complete opposite of the clueless dad i love the clueless dad yeah i also think if you're gonna be that obsessed about your daughter's sex lives yeah sex lives or concern about being pregnant how about you actually teach them about sex ed so they can prevent since you're a doctor yeah wouldn't you think, hey, I know you're teenagers and I can't control you like animals. Educate them. You can't teach solely abstinence, sir. It's it's pretty awful. I, I, just, I really do hate... I think he's a terrible character. I think he's a terrible parent. Yeah. I feel like they should have had a little more about, like, the mom. Yeah. Some sort of, like, him having some sort of 
predisposition because of like the mom or something you know i feel like that would have made him a little more redeemable as a character mm-hmm. i hate bianca's prom dress so much oh my god we talked about that so much it is it's the ugliest fucking thing it's pretty atrocious cat's <laughs> dress is gorgeous oh, it's really pretty it. really pretty bianca's looks like it came out of a costume shop from two different costumes it looks like she threw it together last minute yeah her outfits were so cute throughout this whole thing. Yeah, they were. For have the ugliest fucking prom outfit. No, very true, very true. Mm-hmm. It looks like a Met Gala mishap. It does. She'd be torn apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I like this movie, you know? It's just, I, I think I liked it more as a teenager. I think it's one of those things where you like it when you're a teenager and a few years go by, you rewatch it, you're like, yikes. <laughs> There's a lot of things in this movie that do not hold up whatsoever. Yeah. The treatment of Kat as a character by the other characters, namely the men. Oh, the whole plot is pretty, pretty terrible. Misogynistic and awful. Objectifying women and trapping them. Like, it's pretty evil plot. Because, <laughs> like, the trope is like, oh, me pay to go out with this girl, but then I fall in love with her. It's pretty, it's a pretty ugly trope that's used a lot. A lot of people are like, oh, I love that trope. I'm like, why? <laughs> it's like she's all that yeah it just feels weird it's icky it's not romantic at all no you just happened to end up liking me and that's that's not enough for me i'm sorry it's a pretty dick thing to do yeah but i love Heath Ledger. i do <laughs> so make he that can clear do it. He, he can, can do, do it. it he's the only person who can do it <laughs> I like the outfits in this one. They're not as, like... They're not as good as Clueless. Bianca had, like, Clueless-level outfits, I will say. She did, and they were so cute. And Chastity. Chastity had cute outfits, too. Yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. I feel like she was very underutilized in the movie. She was, and she kind of was made into, like, a little villain. Yeah. She was her friend, and then she kind of turned on her for a boy, which is pretty ugly. I don't like that. It was very unfair treatment for that character. It was. I don't... And I hate when writers write women pitted against each other. Yeah, this movie's a little... A little more... It's a little more raunchy. It's a little more toxic. It's more raunchy. It is very toxic. Kind of, I'm going to say misogynistic. <laughs> Clueless aged better than this movie. Clueless for aged sure. so much better than this movie. The best thing that this movie has is the first 10 minutes. Yeah, the first 10 minutes is really good, yeah. But that's all the specific things I have personally. Do you have anything that you want to talk about? Yes. Allison Janney. She disappears after the first 15 minutes. She never comes back after the first 15 minutes. That was something in this movie in general. It felt like some characters got lost in the plot. Yes. They were overutilized at certain points where it made it feel like there would be more involvement from them. The same thing kind of happens with Chastity a little bit. Yeah. And Mandela. Yeah, she gets thrown in halfway through the movie. I don't even remember seeing her in the first 30 minutes or... She was in the car with Kat on her way home. Oh, on the way home? Yeah, she was like riding home from school with her. Okay. But she doesn't say anything. Nothing happens. Yeah, and then she like ends up with Michael randomly. Thrown in halfway through the movie. Maybe it's one of those things where they had it planned out to have more involvement from those characters but had to get cut for time yeah feels like some of these characters were intended to have more of a purpose in the story but had to get cut down but i feel like they should have just fully cut some of it out if they were going to cut that much out first time seeing it you're it's kind of confusing mm-hmm. and this movie is also like i wrote down is the epitome of like high school movies exaggerating the craziness of high school like the parties like people are jumping through windows fights are breaking out there's alcohol everywhere and the 
prom has your favorite band playing at the prom like it's just kind of ridiculous in that way you know the guy you like pulled some strings got your favorite band there yeah like it's one of those things where it's like come on yeah that doesn't happen no that does not happen and then it's just kind of silly in that way yeah it's unique but it's i don't think it's unique enough to make up for how cliche a lot of the stuff is yeah and offensive (laughs) and and offensive yikes this movie's dated very dated not just in like the era but just like in the in the plot in the in the jokes yeah mm-hmm. yeah i didn't know that i didn't know this first time watching it <laughs> no it's it's okay i haven't watched this movie in a very long time so i didn't remember a lot of that yeah i think i mentioned this but it used to play on abc family all the time <laughs> because abc family had a tv show spinoff of this movie <gasps> Oh, I think I I know what you're talking about. It came out in like 2009. It lasted a season. Of course it did. Yep. It's just, it's, I don't, we're all clouded by our teen minds with this one. Yeah. Well, also, you know, we just, we go, hey, that joke wasn't <laughs> nice. Hey, this plot is a little mean <laughs> and offensive. And like, even outside of content, this movie's kind of not as good as I remember. Ooh. I still enjoyed moments. I feel like, yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not god-awful. It's not god-awful. But it does not hold up in the same way for many reasons. Yeah. I think people just love that scene with Heath Ledger. Yeah. They kind of just kind of forget the rest. Because he's, he sounded good. He was amazing. And he's hot. He's dancing. It's an iconic scene. Yeah, very iconic. I understand. But you gotta remember the rest. <laughs> yeah. Other stuff happens. Mm-hmm. But did, did you have anything else you wanted to say about it? I'm sure I will. Mm-hmm. But right now, I think I'm good. Want to move on to critic reviews? Mm-hmm. This first one, it was a uh, why 10 Things I Hate About You is a teen movie for our times. As Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles taught us, being young isn't about fitting in, but forging your own path. They start by saying the movie is a celebration of the swooning, juvenile glory of simply being young. The Twisted Sister dynamics of 1996 The Craft, about campus coven of witches and the procurement of this curious new girl, and the murderous high school of horrors and another 96 offering, Scream, gave the impression that the decade for American adolescents was merely an endless bloody cassette of near-death experiences. 10 Things I Hate About You brought us back safely to the familiar comforts of the preceding era's cinematic hero. John Hughes and his 1985 film, The Breakfast Club, with a lovable band of stereotypes embracing their differences in Saturday morning detention. Mm, I don't like John Hughes. I like John Hughes's Plane Trains and Automobiles, Uncle Buck. I don't like his teen movies. I never saw The Breakfast Club. Just watch the victorious The Breakfast Bunch version. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much be the good. same thing. Yeah. Comparing this movie to John Hughes movies, can I get it? Mm. <laughs> Similar vibes. Because he gets offensive in some of them. The only one I like is like Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Fer- oh yeah, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That even has a few things in it too. Yeah, it does. But not as much as the other ones. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. <laughs> I'm not saying that he's never made a good movie or anything by that means. But putting this movie in the context of like 80s and also having like the Scream movies and like the craft, like having these like darker teen movies. And then you get this John Hughes-esque rom-com teen movie. Like I understand how that's like a, it's a probably a nice change of pace for people. And all the 80s kids are like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. But I hate it. 10 things I hate about this movie, you know? <laughs> Every review (laughs) said that and did it. One, two, three. 
every review there's gonna be reviews on here i'm gonna tell you they list the 10 things i hate about this movie all right let me start this movie was a nightmare for reviews nightmare number one <laughs> no i'm not even kidding like the the longer ones they do that <laughs> yeah that makes sense it's a kind of an easy an it's easy an easy jab. poke <laughs> yeah crucially those films stood up and show their respective brat packs making progressive choices against the grain of trivility that too often surrounds notions of youthful torment and with added pangs of first love and anti-parent activism 10 things i hate about you just like the breakfast club before it places a stronger emphasis on a truthful and admirable portrayal of adolescence for viewers to angst along to steering well away from demonic blood-soaked trauma Okay, I get, I get what they're saying there. Mm -hmm. They feel like, you know, your imagined angsty teenagers. As much as I hate that the dad's not likable, mm -hmm. like it is, it is a teen thing to be like, even if your parents are nice, they tell you not to do something, you're going to do the opposite. There were maybe two negative reviews about this movie. Mm -hmm. So this is what I could find that I was like, okay, at, me, you know, at least we can disagree with it, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying it's shit. Like, I know I keep saying, like, I'd, it's just like parts of it. It could have been so much better, you know? Definitely. I understand. The film's introduction of these young stars shows its fresh take on representations, teenage life on screen, and its willingness to fuse contemporary and classical ideas. Just as a cast of newcomers was favored over a clutch of well-known stars, the punchy feminist characters they portray highlight a clever reimagining of Shakespeare's famed source text, The Taming of the Shrew. None of Kat's feminist fires lost in the process, and by the end of the film, she is ready for her new life as the liberal arts college Sarah Lawrence. Her sister Bianca develops in her own stride too, emerging is a strong and independent young woman away from the social pressure of high school and the struggles of choosing between her Skechers and Prada backpack. I like my Skechers, but I love my Prada backpack. But I love my Skechers. Well, you don't have a Prada backpack. <laughs> Great quote, but I completely disagree with this paragraph right here. Yeah. First off, she's not a good feminist. No. She hates other women. She's a very anti-woman feminist, so... It's very much like 2000s brand of white feminism. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, well, I read Sylvia Plath. Um, I'm going to be upset that these books are not written by women. Bianca is not... She emerges as a new character, but she's still under this pressure of, or not this pressure, but she's still dating a guy that did not treat her well. Yeah. This movie has never made me think by the end. These characters have completely transformed into new people. They're the same people. They just have boyfriends now. <laughs> exactly. The relationship is an intriguing statement made by the film and one that deserves recognition for its broad-mindedness. 10 Things I Hate About You can and should be viewed as the ultimate teen movie, bursting through the hellish decade to say a little more than the empowering potential of those defining years. Yet it still manages to bring drama back to a playfully romantic tone, grounding the film in the essential youth dichotomy of intense heartache and sheer, unadulterated fun. We could all do with having Kat Stratford's and Mr. Morgan's around us, as well as a Patrick Verano or two. It should help new generations of teens find them as inspiring. This was not the ultimate teen movie. No. Like, because we were, we were talking about it has a lot of cliches. Like, it feels like the ultimate teen movie in that way, mm -hmm. to where it's like checking all the boxes that it needs to to be a teen movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, this person just is so caught up with like how many dark teen movies were coming out before that. But it's not like 10 Things I Hate About You was the only one in a sea. Like from 96 to 99, no other one came out. Like what? Yeah, they're overhyping this movie. Yeah. I just don't agree with them with a lot of these standpoints. Yeah. Next one is by Caroline Westbrook, posted sometime in 2000. Think the taming of the shrew meets Dawson's Creek as Julia Stiles' ice queen is manipulated into a relationship with mysterious slacker Heath Ledger. Also, her younger sister will be allowed to date. Will the ice queen melteth? 
what you know like the shakespeare like yeah 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 yeah, i get i get that i get that i get i'm there the joke joke didn't yeah i understood that it was intended as one just as clueless modernized jane austen's emma so this brian and breezy teen comedy turns to classic literature for its inspiration the target this time being shakespeare's taming of the shrew i think if amy heckerling wrote this movie it'd be so much better it probably would be a lot better (laughs) it'll be a lot better she's very talented she should write every teen movie (laughs) i think she should too Of course, the bard story of a man despising lass whose mind is changed by a vaguely dangerous love interest has already been filmed as Kiss Me Kate. But giving it a bang up to date setting in one of the hottest genres around is such a good idea, you almost wonder why they didn't think of it earlier. Mm. Yeah, my first thought is like, they should do a Tamey and the Shrew. I don't think that's anyone's first thought. (laughs) (laughs) You know what Shakespeare play hasn't been turned into? (laughs) It feels patchy, with some inexplicable plot developments, a guidance counselor, the West Wings, Alice and Janney, who vanishes after 15 minutes, a student whose obsession with Shakespeare is randomly and irrationally thrown in halfway through. Mm-hmm. Ten things still makes for a solid summer crowd pleaser, with enough good-natured humor and wonderfully silly set pieces to carry itself through. Oh, and Ledger's Football Field, rendition of Can't Take My Eyes Off You, possibly the best musical sequence in a teen movie since Ferris Bueller's Day Off, is worth the price of purchase alone. So many people said that alone. It is worth it is worth seeing this movie just for that scene. And And I I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. I agree. And that's probably why this movie's still talked about to this day. Yeah. And and I get it. It's a great scene. We all love that scene. We all love that scene. It is a great scene. But does it make the movie great? No. I literally compared it to the Ferris Bueller scene earlier. You did. I think before we started recording. Maybe. But you did say it. I remember you saying it. I did. They're bo- they're both iconic. Now we have YouTube, so you don't have to watch the whole movie. Exactly. Yeah, you can just watch that one clip. With the finest source material around, given a modern zing, this teen comedy somehow tried and true, but fresh all the same time. Sure it was at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it was at the time, yeah. Not now. Not now. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> you know, everything in this movie is a trope at this point, so. It is. No, it's not unbearable to watch. No. It was entertaining. Definitely the, the Heath Ledger singing part, great. Mm-hmm. Definitely a highlight of the movie. Does have its issues, like they said. Like mm-hmm. it, it feels patchy. It's yeah. I liked this review. I think they mentioned the correct things. Yeah, it's a it's a decent one. Mm-hmm. So for this next one, we're bringing back an old friend, Roger Ebert. He gave this two and a half stars. He wrote this back in 1999. I'm trying to remember the last movie I saw that didn't end with a high school prom. Ravenous, maybe. Even the next <laughs> film I saw, Never Been Kissed, ends with a prom. The high school romance genre has become so popular that it's running out of new ideas and has taken to recycling classic literature. Uh-oh. Mm. Uh-oh. <laughs> I see it. I could see it. My colleagues James Berardinelli made a list recently. Clueless was based on Emma. She was all that was inspired by Pygmalion and Cruel Intentions were cycled from Les Leon Dangerous, prompting Stanley Kaufman to observe that it was better back in the days when high school students were allowed to take over city government for a day instead of remaking fresh novels. <laughs> to this list, we might also add the film of the day of Great Expectations, 1998, Cinderella's True Story and Ever After, and Romeo plus Juliet, which was anything but. <laughs> There's even the rage, <laughs> the rage, Carrie 2, a retread of Carrie, a work that, in my opinion, ranks right up there with the best of Austin, Shaw, and Shakespeare. <laughs> but here's the thing. That never stops. <laughs> yeah. 
That's true. They're still just recycling. Mm-hmm. They literally made he's all that like last year. So it's it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. I understand the critique he's coming at this with. The thing is, most of these do it so well that like you don't really notice how much they're based on them until you find out that it's based on classic literature, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The source material in some of them is a little more heavy-handed than others, but like... It's more of a fun fact than anything, because you can watch this and not know it's based on something and love it. And you could watch it and know it's based off a great novel and be like, cool. Yeah. I don't think any of these were made with the intention of like, yeah, a high school kid could watch this and ace a test about this novel. No. No. Nor is it about replicating it to perfection. No. 10 Things I Hate About You inspired in a sort of kind of way by Shakespeare, The Taming of the Shrew, in the same sense that Starship Troopers was inspired by the Titus and Tronicus. It doesn't make, remake Shakespeare so much as evoke him as a talisman by setting its story at Padua High School, naming its characters Stratford and Verona, making one of the heroines a shrew, etc. There is even a scene where the shrew is assigned to rewrite a Shakespeare sonnet. And yet, gee, the movie is charming, despite its exhausted wheeze of an ancient recycled plot idea. Boy takes bribe to ask girl to prom, then discovers that she, he really likes her, and then she finds out about the bribe and hates him. I haven't seen that idea in almost two months since she's all mad. There you go. <laughs> Boy makes bet he can turn plain wallflower into prom queen and does, but falls in love with her after which she discovers, etc, etc. I think we simply have to dump the entire plot and appreciate the performances and some of the jolliest scenes. I like the spirit of the high school teachers. I also like the sweet, tentative feelings between Ledger and Styles. He has a scene that brings the whole movie to an enjoyable haul. Trying to win her heart, he waits until she's at, on the athletic field and then sings I Love You Baby over the PA system, having bribed the school's marching band to accompany him. Those scenes are worth the price of admission, almost. And then other scenes are drag. Which is true. Yeah. All teenage movies have at least one boring and endless party scene in which everyone is wildly dressed, drunk, and relentlessly col- colorful. And then never been kissed, some of the kids come as the village people. These scenes inevitably involved A, a fight, B, barfing, and C, tearful romantic break up in front of everybody. The scene was tedious and so was a scene where the would-be lovers throw paint balloons at each other. I know there has to be a scene of carefree, colorful frolic, but as I watched them rubbing paint in each other's hair, I began to yearn for that old standby, the obligatory tilt-a-whirl ride. I guess he didn't like it. <laughs> I forgot about the scene where they with the paint balloons. It's a very nothing scene. Yeah. It's just them having fun, which I get. Like, you know, you gotta have, you gotta show them bonding. You gotta see why they. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's a very, like, it's a very nice scene. Yeah. I like the movie spirit and the actors and some of the scenes. The music, much of it by the band Letters to Cleo, is subtle and inventive while still cheerful. The movie almost but not quite achieves liftoff against the gravitational pull of the tired story formula. Sometimes it's a mistake to have acting this charming. The characters become so engaging and spontaneous, we notice how they're trapped in the plot. Okay, those last two sentences are a really good way to put it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, he he pretty much said all the things that we liked. Mm -hmm. It is a charming movie. It is a charming movie, yeah. And so this is our last one, written by Dennis Harvey in 1999. And turning the taming of the shrew into a teen comedy sounds like a high-concept no-brainer until you realize the play's extremely crusty plot, mechanics, and dyed-in-wool misogyny make it even less likely a modern high school transplant than, say, Titus Adronicus. Touchstone's 10 Things I Hate About You thus doesn't take much time before ditching its pitch idea in favor of a mishmash of newer formulas, never quite settling on a cogent game plan or directorial tone um they're a little bitter 
but <laughs> a little better. They point out that the play does not seem like something that would actually fit with high school students, mm-hmm. and I agree because it seems kind of fucked for everybody to walk around calling her a shrew and calling her awful and make this plot against her and her sister. It's literally just because she got her heart broken by some shitty dude. Yeah, they're they're saying correct things. They're just saying it in a very like snippy way which i don't mind it's just like if someone were saying this about a movie we liked we would call it out i <laughs> know we'd be very upset but now though yeah because this movie dislike this movie but i'm fine to critiques with it yeah want to be fair here and point out that i agree with what they're saying but they could tone tone down the sass a little that yeah the 20th century hasn't been kind to shrew even if it remains one of bard's more popular comedies recent decades have found theater directors developing pretzel logic to soften the plays hardy shut up winch and get me a beer view of gender <laughs> gender equity yeah we didn't cover this one in high school english class we didn't. so i don't know <laughs> yeah it's most promising as in a seg where patrick serenades cat with the help from the marching band at football field sound system then things aims for an anything goes silliness reminiscent of teen pig classics like 16 candles but it lurches all over the map encompassing dialogue both inspired and juvenile tasteless there's also mi- middling slapstick rampant product placement and awkward bits of earnest drama you could say that about any teen movie teenagers are cringy yeah but there's a, a way to do it to where you don't want to turn the movie off mm-hmm. it doesn't happen in this one i never felt overly awkward not terribly i did skip over most of her poem though that's a big one yeah are we ready for her audience reviews mm-hmm. start off with a 10 out of 10 from imdb they don't make movies like this anymore love 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 this movie it is a classic story is great and actors are amazing and the comedy is funny there is something to laugh at every minute, and all the elements marry together perfectly to make a feel-good movie, with the death and humor that isn't seen very often these days. The cast are brilliant, Heath Ledger is awesome and brings an honesty to his character, Julia Stiles is authentic and someone every girl can ad- identify with, has a lot of actors who made it big after the film. Great cast. An old school movie, they don't make them like this anymore. That's because this formula's tired. Yeah. <laughs> this is a one star from Letterboxd. This movie is exactly like a teenager. It thinks it's cool and clever, and when reality it's just incredibly annoying yeah which is a good way to describe it if you're a teenager or you watched it as a teenager watch it again as an adult Mm -hmm. see if you still feel the feels you know yeah and if you do like there's some there's some good feelings in this movie but of course of course but you could youtube that scene you can always youtube that scene this one's one of the longer ones but hang in there this one's four stars is on letterbox and they say i hate the way this film romanticizes the hard to get girl trope and the way women shown are supposed to be more irresistible for the eyes of men in this manner especially when the director is a cis guy i hate the way how the plot's foundation is based on the fact that a short white sad boy corn love it creates an unnatural and immoral (laughs) scheme on how to get a woman whom he fancies treating her as an object unconsciously at the same time taking advantage of harmless people around him just for him to get the girl while the story portrayed this whole exposition as cute and sweet without having any consequences whatsoever for him in the end because of course he is after all the good guy I hate the way that the big, dumb, cheesy flick centers on how an attractive, antisocial girl who does hot girl shit is indicated <laughs> as someone who is less prettier than of her popular sister. It's simply unrealistic. I hate the way that this demonstrates that an attractive, antisocial protagonist needs to be saved by a man, and that her life was better and healthier at the end than when she has fallen in love. Oh no, don't ever play the manic pixie dream boy card, dear director and screenwriters. I hate it. 
Joe March will have nothing of that. Thank you. I guess the person's named Joe March. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's from uh, Little Women. Oh, I thought their name was Joe March. And they were addressing <laughs> themselves. Themselves. I will be having none of this. I love you. <laughs> I hate the way on how the purpose of this is to be loved by the audience, manipulating us to give our hearts and lose our logic to cinematic high school relationships with unrealistic falling in love moments. It's shouting, I'm going to be your next comfort film, and there's nothing you can do about that. I hate it when this made me laugh, even worse when it made me cry. <laughs> I hate it when this came around my life this late, and the fact that I had no one to call after to tell how much I hate the movie. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate this film. Not even close, not even a little bit, not even at all. Sobs. Not even at all. <laughs> the way that that last half was, I don't know, have you seen Despicable Me? Yes. <laughs> yes. You know the Lonely Unicorn book that he reads? I think so, I think I remember that, yeah. They made him laugh. Ha ha! They made him cry. Oh. <laughs> I just love Steve Carell. <laughs> he should have never said goodbye. <laughs> Girls. <laughs> Girls. Girls. <laughs> we should do Despicable Me at one point. We should. I fucking love that movie. It's a good movie, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably being probably being a little harsh, but like, it just gave this energy of like, everything sucks, guys. Did you know that? <laughs> yes. Yes. It gave that. <laughs> this is the only long one that yeah. kind of liked. I thought it made some good points. I agree with a lot of what they're saying mm -hmm. that's wrong with this movie. I'm just being but it's it's a, it's a little obnoxious in the way. It is. Like, I hate that I'm agreeing with this person. <laughs> yeah. So this next one is a one star. <laughs> it was, that was the original Pick Me Girl. True. This next one's Two out of ten stars. IMDb. Ten things that made this pathetic in 2002. One, it is another teen flick. Two, it is predictable. Three, it is not funny. Four, characters are not believable. Five, it's boring. Six, no school is ever like this one. Seven, the ending made me want to puke. Eight, everyone has model looks. Nine, the script is tepid. Ten, lousy acting. And I could go on. There's nothing in this movie that I haven't already seen in every other teen college flick. Three out of ten, and that's generous. I'd give it a two. Yeah. Yeah, it's another teen flick. Yeah, it's a little predictable. Yeah, there's some things that are not funny. Yeah. I don't think the characters are unbelievable. No, I don't think they're unbelievable. I think they're fun characters. I like the characters. Or, at times, I like the characters. I don't think it's boring. I just feel like sometimes it feels uninspired. Mm -hmm. It drags a little bit in some scenes. The ending is cringy. Oh, yeah. I want to puke, too, at the end. Yeah. And lousy acting? No. No, I don't think the acting was bad. I That's one thing I won't say about this movie. The act, I don't think the acting was bad. Yeah. This next one's from Letterboxd. It's five stars. Does anyone else think that Heath Ledger and Joseph Gordon-Levitt have the same face, or am I just crazy? Apparently you're correct. Apparently they are correct. This is one star from Letterboxd. Docking four stars for the disgusting car scene with Bianca and Cameron, and that stupid detention scene, and the litany of inappropriate problems uh, that were diminished. For romance that pulsates through the, the veiny tool of the patriarchy. The acting <laughs> plus chemistry was pee good between Heath Ledger, Rip, and Julia Stiles. <laughs> pee good, like pretty good. Oh, like pretty good, okay. They made a funny, uh, clever little dick joke in there. They did, mm-hmm. Pulsates through the veiny tool of the patriarchy. They're, they're kind of ready like Allison Journey is. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Those parts of it do make... You go, ugh, ew. No, I thought this was a good review. Yeah. You got one star. Biggest woman hating feminists I've ever seen, and she flashed a poor little old man. This villain's cringy, yucky, boo, hashtag Y2K. Um, I, don't I don't think he's, he's a, a poor, poor little, little old man. man. Yeah. No. But we just said that at the same time. Um. 
<laughs> no, I don't think so either. Clearly did not have much resistance to her coming on to him. In front of a class too. Everything is so public in this movie. Everything is always in front of a crowd. That's where most of the cringe comes from. It's like, why are we do this stupid shit in your room? Come on. <laughs> exactly. Next one's a one star. When so many things are off about a movie, it just doesn't work. The jokes aren't funny at all. The soundtrack is painfully dated, with the exception of Can't Take My Eyes Off of You. And the plot itself seems more than just a little bit sexist, especially in the time after the Me Too movement, where misogyny is finally starting to be recognized. Why is this movie so loved now? Okay. Okay. I appreciate the why is this movie so loved now part of it, because mm -hmm. if they left that off, I'd be like, we don't have a talking time machine, dude. Mm -hmm. But I understand that. I feel like this movie, you said it was hard to find negative reviews of this movie. It was hard. Mm -hmm. Maybe some people need to reassess a little bit. That doesn't mean you have to hate the movie. No. And I understand if you have a special, like... Let's not idolize it. Yeah, exactly. Let's not pretend like there aren't issues in it. Yeah. I'm sure that's like a lot of the people who like this movie have probably already come to that point. Exactly. I think people understand understand that there's stuff wrong with that movie. Totally agree. I don't think it's awful though. And either. Three and a half star. Heath Ledger dances down steps with giant leaps. Christopher Nolan. That's him. That's our Joker. <laughs> yeah. It is funny, like, just knowing. And there's sometimes when he smiles, I'm like, I kind of see the yes. joke. I kind of see him. I kind of yes. see it. <laughs> like, looking at him, I thought that the face paint of the Joker had more at play with his face. Yeah. But it really didn't. It's really, it's really just a smile. Yeah. One star, one star for the soul of Heath Ledger. I mean, if there's one thing you're going to like about this movie, it's going to be Heath Ledger. He's the Paul Rudd, Alan Rickman of this movie. Paul Rudd, Alan Rickman, and... Brittany Murphy. Brittany Murphy, and the Charlie in Twilight. Yeah. And then this is our last review. It's a 10 out of 10 stars from IMDb. It's titled Wow, written in 2022. It honestly was amazing. It is a teen movie, which I didn't expect it, and however the acting, especially from Styles, was awesome. It was not over-exaggerated. Her facial expressions were everything. The chemistry between the two actors, Ledge and Styles, was phenomenal. For its genre, it is a 10 out of 10. Would watch it again. This is kind of like the, you know, the Citizen Kane thing. To you, maybe this is your, this is your pinnacle. To you. <laughs> to you. To you. To me, this is not the best one. It is, not, it is definitely not. And I will say right here, since we're towards the end, Clueless is better. Yeah, it is. So, if you had to give it a rating, what would you rate it? Give this one like a six. Yeah, I was thinking a six, maybe a five. Five for the good things and taking off five for the bad things. This isn't so awfully awful and outdated to where it's completely unwatchable. I think plenty of people who are fans of this movie understand that it's dated. Mm-hmm. But... It has heart. It does have heart. And Heath Ledger. It has heart and Heath. <laughs> Do you have anything else you wanted to say about it? No. Okay. You can reach us on our Instagram if you have any comments or critiques about anything, or if you want to suggest a movie to us. Suggest more rom-coms. Yeah. But if you have any of your favorites that you want us to review or watch or some that you hate, you want our opinion on, just let us know. You can message us at Easy Bake Takes on Instagram. We also have a TikTok that's at Easy Bake Takes. Don't forget to check out our website, easybaketakespodcast.com, where we put our transcripts of the episodes and our review overviews. Those same overviews are on Letterboxd, where you can follow us if you'd like. And don't forget to follow us wherever you listen and leave a review, because it really helps us out a lot. Share us with a friend. And thank you so much for listening. My name is Kat. And I'm Riley. This has been Easy Bake Takes. Easy watching out there. Bye. Bye.